Bibles this morning and we'll look at 1 John. It's right towards the end of your Bible. 1 John, chapter 3 and verses 11 to 24. 1 John, chapter 3 and verses 11 to 24. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not remain, who does not love, remains in death. And anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Let's pray together this morning, church. God, we come to you this morning, uh, your people, and we come with hearts that are so thankful and so full, knowing that you are a loving God, that as your word describes who you are, we meet you as a God who is love, who loves us so much that you would send your son to die for us. And God, we want to thank you this morning for the love that you have shown to us each day as we open your word, each time as we pray to you, each moment of our lives, we thank you that we can know your love and receive it and walk deeply in the love that you've given us. Oh God, we pray that you would help us as a church to love one another. God, we pray that you would help us to understand the passage that we've read this morning and help us to continue to become 
more and more a loving church. God, we pray for each of us as individuals that our lives would be those that are marked with the love that you have shown for us. God, that as we come to know you more in our lives, that our lives would be those that are marked by love. And God, that our family, our friends, our neighbours, the people that we interact with daily would know that we are your followers because of our love. And God, we would pray for our city, uh, for Wodonga and for Albury. And we would pray that because of our love that we might make a great impact in this region and that we would help to demonstrate and to show your love to other people so that they too might hunger and long for what you have. Oh God, we would pray that you would help our love to spill right out into this whole region. And God, as we think of our church's heart for the people in Malawi, we pray that as a team goes later on this year and as we give in the coming months, that they would know our love and they would recognise that we are followers of you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, we pray this morning that you would again capture our hearts and speak to us as a church and as individuals and help us to love you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and to love our neighbours as ourselves. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Not so many weeks ago, I was uh, speaking on Sunday night and the passage, uh, I thought, had so much for um, us as a church completely, all of us. So I thought today I'll continue on that same passage and talk about it again and just come at it a few weeks later. So if you were there last uh, few Sunday nights ago, hopefully this will really drill into your mind one of the most central thoughts of the Bible. Uh, one of the most central teachings for us as Christians. It's amazing that um, after so many uh, thousands of years, uh, you know, so-called human development has continued on and we're still so unclear of the nature of love. I mean, we keep advancing in so many areas, but when it comes to how to really love, it's a challenge for us. Perhaps it's because love is is such a powerful force. It's so powerful, perhaps, that we hardly know how to adequately describe it, let alone how to show it to other people. There's no doubt that it's been perhaps uh, the most written about topic of all time. There's songs that sing about love. There's poetry written about it. There's plays, television shows, movies, all about it. And we see the notion of love popping up all around us over and over again. People are talking about love. In whatever way we define love, uh, the truth is that I think we all find ourselves longing for it. I mean, we long to be loved. The words, I love you, are powerful words indeed. They're words that uh, to hear them, is a wonderful thing. It makes us feel warm inside. It makes us feel uh, good about ourselves. That's because love is a, is, is a dynamic. It's a, it's a thing that 
really um, we need. Love has a power to, to set us free, to liberate us, to live lives that are confident and full because we know that we're loved. And we all need to be loved. And we need to express love ourselves. This is a basic need to human existence itself. And this brings us to the question then this morning. In a world where love is such a great uh, thing and so much in demand, where it's something that we all want, then why isn't there more love? It seems that so often people are so uh, hateful, so cynical, so critical, and can be so downright hostile. And yet... Love is something that we, uh, our society needs and we desperately need. And yet the opposite is often what's produced. You know, even in the church where love should abound, we find unloving people and we find sometimes ourselves being the very people that we want not to be. There seems to be a tension between the word uh, love and hate and we see that in the world. We want love but we often act in hateful ways. And while love is such a powerful force that can uh, you know, cause so much good, hate is such a destructive um, attitude, action, that causes so much hurt. Hatred is the tool of the devil, and he uses it with skill to try and destroy people's lives. Love, on the other hand, is the calling of every Christian to show love, to demonstrate it, to live a life of love. And when we truly love, the power of God is unleashed in our lives uh, and uh, it's a powerful love enough to defeat hatred. And this morning, as we look at this text and as we think about what the Bible says about us as Christians loving one another and what that means for our world, um, I, I hope that we will be made aware of firstly the priority of love that we're called to love one another and that we'll be shown what love is not and what love is and that we'll be encouraged together to be a church that continues to live more and more in a way where love is deeply and richly demonstrated to one another. Uh, 1 John, the book of 1 John was written um, by John, the son of Zebedee, and he was the apostle and the author of the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. And he was the first cousin of Jesus. His mother was Salome and uh, she was a sister of Mary. And John, was, he was a fisherman and he was part of Jesus' inner circle. You know, John, James and Peter were, the, were those kind of inner circles, one close to him. And he refers to himself in the, in the Gospel of John as the one Uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And John wrote 1 John. And he he wrote this letter that we're reading today to people who were being confronted with an early form of heretical teaching. They were uh, being taught things that were untrue in the early church. And the teaching was a form of Gnosticism. And it was a particular different teaching that sort of said that when Jesus came to earth, Uh, When Jesus, the man, was on earth, when he was baptised, the divine Jesus joined the human Jesus and they 
travelled together through his life. And then when it came to the cross, the divine Jesus left the human Jesus and he died. It's a kind of teaching that cut right at the core belief that Jesus is the Son of God, fully man, fully human, born of a Virgin Mary, and it cuts right across the question of who is Christ? Is he really the Son of God? And this teaching was going about saying, no, he wasn't. And it actually led to a teaching that said, actually, because the divine Jesus came into the human Jesus, there's an emphasis on the, our spiritual side to the neglect almost of our bodily side. You know, so they would say, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. You, you can abuse it. You can uh, be immoral with it. You can be doing whatever you want. It's what's spiritual that's most important. And the difference between belief and action was being shown greater and greater to the people that this book was written to. And John wrote the letter for two basic purposes, and one was to expose the false teachers and to let them know, uh, let the uh, people in the churches know that they were in error and they were heretics and they were causing divisions in the church, but also to give assurance of salvation to those who were in the church and who were believing that Jesus was the Son of God and that were putting their trust in him and seeking to live a life of love. And in this passage, John is teaching his readers about love and he's showing us clearly that loving fellow believers, loving fellow Christians, loving one another is a clear sign. It's a clear evidence that we are God's children and that we are his people. He's assuring his readers that if they love, they can be sure that they've, they're on the right track. They're his children. And so John writes and he starts in the first verse of this chapter. He, he, he says, in effect, God wants his followers to love one another. This is what it says. This is the message you heard from the beginning, verse 11, that we should love one another. It's what he says to them, and he says that to us today, that we should love one another. And when, what he starts off here is a biblical command to love. And this was not um, just a, a, a brand new teaching, but it was one that's gone right through the Old Testament as well. Uh, Leviticus 19 and verse 8, uh, the writer writes, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. But when Jesus came... He showed us how to love. He, he demonstrated what it was to love. He washed his disciples' feet on the night when he was betrayed. And then he said to them, where I'm going, you can't come with me. And he prepared them for his death and his resurrection. And so he gave them these words. He said in John 13, he said, I have a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. And then he says that this love was going to be the mark that other people would look for to know that they are his disciples. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. For Jesus, this was key. Uh, for Love for one another was his command. It wasn't a suggestion. He said, a new command I give you. In fact, this was going to be the, the clear sign that everyone would know. And, and we say, um, how, how, will we, how will we know that people are followers of Christ? We might ask, how are we going to figure that out? We might have said, uh, the disciples might have said on the night when Jesus was saying he's going, well, when you're gone, how are we going to know that we're doing the right thing? Is it going to be our, our dress code? Is it going to be the, the kind of, uh, kind of 
ways in which we argue and defend our faith? Is it going to be the kind of style of teaching? Is it going to be the preference of Bible translation? Is it going to be the kind of songs that we prefer? And, and Jesus would say, no, none of these. The way you'll know that you and I are disciples is if you love, love one another. He gives it a primacy, love. And Jesus told his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount not only to love one another, but he said, even love your enemies. You know, even people that you love you, it's easy to love those, but I want you not just to love one another, but I want you to even love your enemies and, and, and pray, pray for those who persecute you. Wow. People were, would have been thinking, gee, that's hard. And then just to show you that it's not just John and it's not just Jesus and it's not just the teachers from old that, that believed that love was so important, Paul, when he writes 1 Corinthians 13, he says, you know, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding clong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, wow, but I have not love, I'm nothing. Then he writes, if I give all that I possess to the poor, and if I surrender my body to the flames, what an act of commitment. And then he says, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul just says, Underline it, Christians. Underline it, church. Love is so important. It just so you get it clearly and you don't miss that love is uh, something that God calls us to and Jesus calls us to. And when Jesus was asked, you know, what's, what is the most important commandment of all? He said, well, the first is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. First and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the prophets, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Anyone think we should be loving one another? <laughs> they didn't want us to miss it. God didn't want us to miss the fact that we should love one another. And it leaves me this morning crying out and saying, Oh, God, teach me to love. God, how can I love more? How can I love you more? How can I love you, God, more and then love my fellow believers and then love others who are even my enemies? I need help. And I cry out and I say, God, show me. Help me learn. Help me learn to love you more and to love others more. And this passage right here, uh, the writer, John, he, he gets right to the core of the second part, how we can love one another. And he's talking directly to churches and he's talking directly to fellow believers in the church. That's his focus here. And this is what he says, first of all, how can we, how can we love? Well, he answers it first in a negative. He says, well, don't love like Cain. Don't love like Cain. Look what he writes. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. 
Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. He says, uh, not to love is to become a murderer here, is what he's saying. Uh, he looks in this passage in verse 12, you know, at, at Cain, who was one who, uh, who murdered his brother. And that showed that in his heart, his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And most of us feel a little bit relieved when we think, well, how can we love? Well, not like Cain. Great, don't murder our brother. That's good. I'm off the hook. I mean, you might uh, be tempted to say, thank you, Lord. I've not murdered anyone here in Wenonga District Baptist Church this whole year. You know? <laughs> and I would just say, congratulations. Good. Keep up the good work. You know? We don't want that happening. But the truth is, as it looks in verse 15, in that same little passage there, he says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And we think, oh, hang on a minute. And you know that no murderer has eternal life. And that reminds us of what Jesus said. You know how he said, a new commandment I give you, and he reinterpreted love, love one another as I have loved you, love even your enemies. Well, he also uh, reinterpreted, you know, what it was to say murder. You know, people were saying, oh, well, at least I haven't murdered anyone, so I'm all right. I've hated a few people, despised a few people, treated other people with content, but I haven't murdered them. I'm all right. And Jesus comes on the scene in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, and he says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. I mean, you can't read that without saying, oh God, teach me to love. Um, God, if what you're saying here is even anger and calling people fool and showing content, I've got to ask myself this morning, am I being angry towards other people, other fellow believers? Am I being bitter towards them? Oh, please no, God. Am I showing contempt to others? And we must cry out, Lord, not me, please. And if we find ourselves guilty there this morning, we're almost brought to a point of saying, oh, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I, I, I can't live in that attitude anymore because I don't want to be like Cain. I don't want to be that kind of person. And John writes in, in verse um, 13, you know, that don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. And here in that same context, he's saying, you know, here we saw that, you know, Abel was hated by Cain because he was good. And those that are loving and those that are continuing in the way of love, you know, instead of often being loved more, people that, can't, that hate and are contemptful just can't stand it when people love because it shows them up. And, and he's saying here, you know, don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. 
you know, actually loving and becoming a loving person will get you into trouble often. You will receive more criticism often. And he's saying, but don't, don't worry, don't be surprised about that. And we, in fact, we know that we've passed from death to life in verse 14 because we love our brothers. And then just to make it perfectly clear about the kind of person, how we're not to love like Cain, he says, anyone who does not love remains in death. The writer's just calling us and he's saying, have an ongoing, continuous love, a growing love for one another in our church, in the church. Keep loving one another. Keep loving. Keep loving. A problem comes up, anger, frustration, talk about it with the person. Try and forgive them. Try and seek to work through the situation so you can keep loving. Someone hurts you greatly and deeply, talk about it. Work through it. Ask forgiveness. Work through it so you can keep loving and keep loving. It's a challenge. But not wrestling with that, the writer says, or Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, that we're in danger of the fire of hell if we just keep happily not loving one another. So we say, well, how, how do we love? How do we love one another? Like, it's so prime to what God wants us to do as a church. Well, we found out that it's not like Cain. How do we do that? How do we do that positively? Please tell us, we cry out. And the writer, John says, well, this is how you do it. Love like Jesus. Love like Jesus loved. And look in verse 16, he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. This is how we're to love. This is how we're to love. Jesus, look at Jesus. He laid down his life for us. Now, God is love and he loves us. And he made us so that we would know him and have relationship with him. But we know that when we, uh, since the time we've been born and grown up, we've just been like Adam and Eve and we've shaken our fist at God and says, I know better, I'll do it my way. The Bible says that going our own way, turning from him, doing our own rebellious things, sinning against God, saying, I know best and I'm not going to do this, carrying out all kinds of things that are against God, just separates us from God and leaves us in a terrible situation cut off from God, not able to know him. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that when we're like that, we're enemies of God. We're far from him. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son, he sent his only son into the world, that whoever would believe, put their faith in Jesus Christ as the son of God, who would, who would put their trust in him, would believe in him, would that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life, would not perish, but have eternal life. God sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross and he took upon himself on the cross the punishment that I deserve for turning my back on him. Now, the writer's saying we're to love in the way that Jesus loved. And the kind of way that Jesus loved, and often we can think, Mandy and I, we just watched the Passion of the Christ last weekend, you know, over Easter again. And, and we watched it, and you can get the picture as you're watching it that Jesus was kind of, you know, forced into this whole thing, and he was, you know, whipped and beaten, and he didn't have any say in it. But the Bible clearly says that Jesus laid down his life for 
us. He willingly gave it up. See, in John 10, 11 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. He willingly gave himself up for us. And it says that he lays it down of his own accord and no one takes it from him. He says, no one can take it away from me. So not only did God send Jesus, Jesus willingly came and gave of himself freely so that you and I could put our faith in him, could have our sins forgiven and could live every day in relationship with him. And the writer, John, says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So what he's saying, uh, he goes on to say, we should, lay, we should love one another like Jesus loved us, laying down our lives for our brothers. See how it says that? This is how, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers too, because this is what Jesus did. So that action of Jesus willingly giving himself up to die is what he wants each and every one of us to have in our church. He wants us to be the kind of people that says, well, thank goodness we don't have to die today. Um, in not, I haven't heard of anyone in our congregation that's had to die yet for each other. But there are places today in the world where that is happening. I mean, there are people now that are um, you know, pastors in China or underground that are being you know, imprisoned and killed. You just have to you know, read the voice of the martyrs to hear about so many different people that are dying for their faith today and where Christians are having to stand up and protect each other and be willing to die. Now, I haven't had to die yet for anyone, as you can see, and, but it's being willing to go to that extent to die for one another. And what the, the passage is saying is you might not have to die, but you need to be willing to give yourself for other people. So if someone's uh, in need, be willing to ex- expend yourself to meet that need. If someone else has got another different kind of need, be willing to give in a way that is giving of yourself to help that person. It's a completely different attitude of someone who comes along and says, I'm checking out this church, see what it's going to do for me. Don't like the music too much, don't like the preaching. Bit hard to find a car park. I think I'll pick another one, you know. Or someone else saying, oh, look, I don't like that thing that someone did one day. And The focus is completely different here when it comes to loving one another. It's calling me as a believer not to see what I can get from you, or for you, seeing what you can get from me or from other people, but seeing how we can expend ourselves in loving one another, giving to one another. And, and we say, well, this is how he's done that, continually giving himself for us so that we might be saved. And we need to continually give to each other, being even willing to die. Now, I wonder what that actually would look like. I wonder how that would actually be. If we were to try and see what that would practically look like in terms of something we can grasp and grab hold of, wouldn't it be good to know? Okay, how do you love? Not like Cain. How do you love? Like Jesus, who willingly gave himself. But, but how would we actually really know what that looks like? 
Well, John makes it painfully clear. He doesn't want us to miss the point of how we can love one another, really love them. And he says in verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? So now he's negatively showing how this would work. If you see your brother in need, someone needs some food or someone needs some help or is uh, you know, really hurting and you ignore that, how can the love of God be in him? This comes right back, it seems, it was talked about way back in Deuteronomy 15 and verses 7 to 9 when, uh, where it says there that if the poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight fist towards the poorer brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbour wicked thought. The seventh year... The year for cancelling debts is near. Don't, don't think about that so that you, don't show, so you do not show ill will towards your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you and you'll be found guilty of sin. The way that we can practically know that we're loving one another is if we see needs around us and we meet them the best way that we possibly can. Someone's hurting, someone's lonely. Let's see if we can give them a call. If someone's in hospital, let's see if we can you know, send them a note or go and visit them. Or, or, or if someone's just brand new and we just want to welcome them, give them a welcome. If there's any, you can think of myriad, myriad of ways where you can help by just giving practical need. Positively, though, so this is saying in the negatively, if you don't do that, it shows that you that the love of God can't be in you. But in the positive way, it says in verse 18, 19 and 20, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to God, uh, that we belong to the truth, and, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and knows everything. So what this is saying here is as Christians, we come together and we've got to love with more than just words. It's not enough for us to have the belief that it's good to love one another. It has to be shown in actions and it has to be demonstrated in practical ways. And I think I've got to ask that of myself personally. You know, just Jonathan Stark, who, who lives in Avondale Drive and has a family and is a pastor of the church. How am I personally loving one another, you know? Don't think about that. And I ask myself, am I just believing that it's right to love one another, but am I actually doing it in ways and showing ways? And I've got to say to myself, what ways am I practically doing that? I want to encourage you to do that. It says love one another, we believe it. Ask to yourself, how am I personally loving other people? What ways? What kind of... Needs that I see around me, am I responding to? What ways am I demonstrating that love? Another thing we've got to ask ourselves as a church, in what ways are we actually demonstrating that we're loving one another? Um, How are we showing that? It's good to believe that we're a church that loves one another and that we care for one another and that we help others. But where's the evidence I mean, we've got to get practical about it. And as I think about this, I just want to share a few ways that help us know that we're doing some things to really love one another, but also to say to us, let's keep doing even more, you know. 
Um, As a pastor of this church, we're going to continue to give and have offerings at our communion times that encourage people to, to, to give and to help for specific needs. You know, we had a, we've had offerings at times which have helped people that have been in emergency needs where, where they have not had enough money to get by and people in our church that have been really right at the end and we've asked you to help. And, you know, this last year we, we had a budgeted amount that was given away and then we asked for more and that whole amount was expect, ex, expended and then the more that we got was, you know, over $5,000 that again is now continuing to be helping people in our church family who are in need. The Bible says that if we don't give, the love of God can't be within you. And part of your giving into the offering every week is actually going out to help those in our church who are going through difficulty, needing food other emergency items, things that are coming out. You know, every week up the back we have uh, a, a, a box which people bring and as they're going to shopping they think, well, I can just get an extra thing of this and I'll put it into the box on Sunday. And people come to church with groceries and we've got a great cupboard just full of groceries and people come from the community and sometimes people within our church come and we help and we help one another through giving to those in needs. I heard of someone in our uh, congregation who just found that they were going away and all of a sudden they just found that they got an anonymous note and someone saying, here's, here's $100 when you're going away just to help you on your way. You know, have a great holiday. And I thought, isn't that great? Uh, people are giving to one another anonymously and they were thrilled. The person was overwhelmed and chuffed to think that someone had thought about them going on holidays to help them out. Uh, I've got uh, written down some of the notes that we received back from our church office of people that we've helped. Um, Someone wrote this, thank you for the hamper and the load of water that you gave us. So practical and very much appreciated. We thank God that we're part of such a generous and caring church and we are blessed to be recipients of that generosity and love. God is so good. Someone else wrote uh, in a card of thanks, many thanks to the Wodonga District Baptist Church for your kindness and being sensitive to the needs of others. Thank you so much for the check that you gave us. It came in handy. To the Wodonga District Baptist Church, thanks for visiting me in hospital. The prayer, support through our church with phone calls, visits, meals, ironing, etc. has been overwhelming and we thank and praise God for people like you, those in the church. And somebody else wrote this uh, about the way in which the prayer support and people um, being able to talk with people and talk about what they needed in their time of care, they found that so helpful. And then they talk about the phone calls, the visits, the meals from the church, cards, including our small group in the care process. And she says that all this was overwhelming. And then she writes, the special loving care shown to us and the love of God has meant more than words could ever express. God bless you. I just want to say that when I hear about the way in which the church is caring for people, it warms my heart. I love it. I love hearing that because I know that we're helping love one another. When I hear, though, that you are caring as well, it warms my heart. I love it. So when I go to visit someone in hospital 
or hear that somebody else has gone and there's already been seven or you know, five or six of you already gone, that thrills me. And just say, that's great. Let's, that's exactly what we're praying for and hoping that the love of God would be seen so clearly in us. I think that it not only comes to our own church here, the body of Christ here in Wodonga. Oh, I better keep going. But also in the wider churches across. You know, when, when, when Jesus says, love one another, I think he is talking about our church here, Wodonga District Baptist Church. But we're in a family, did you know? Uh, we're in a family that's not just Baptists. There's a, a joke that when they get to heaven, they'll put the Baptists behind a wall and that will be just so we won't believe, we won't have to worry of the fact that there are other Christians there apart from just the Baptists. I said that all wrongly. It's a terrible joke. <laughs> supposed to be a really funny joke if you get the line right. But, but the truth is that we're not the only church in Wodonga. And I think the challenge for us to love one another comes clearly out of Jesus' prayer in John 17 that he says, I pray that they would be one just as we are one and that we would, churches together, would be unified and one in Christ. That those who share the common faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, risen from the dead and coming back again, then I think together we need to show unity in that way. So that's why I love Every week, meeting at the prayer meeting, I meet Wednesday mornings at the Churches of Christ with other uh, pastors and pray with them just for half an hour. I love doing that each week. I love what we did last Friday with, you know, the way of the cross and gathering together with other churches. I love it how Chris Little from the Albury Bible Fellowship came and preached here the other night. I love it when we continue to pray and, and catch up with the people from Albury Baptist and pray that God would continue to bless that church in incredible, mighty ways. I love it because I know that God's placed us in a larger fellowship. Paul, uh, the writer John finishes off this passage and he says, hey, dear friends, in verse 21, if our hearts do not contemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Here, John's just saying, hey, if you will love one another, if we will love one another, what flows out of loving one another and not hating one another, not condemning and criticising, is that when we come before God, we know that we're living the way he's called us to live. Love is flowing. And when we come before him, it's not with a heart that condemns us, you know, that says, oh, we really, God, we really can't stand this person and I know I hurt that person, but, oh, would you bless me, you know? That's hard. The writer, John's saying here that if we love one another, then our heart does not condemn us. And we come before God knowing that we are doing what he asks and we're loving him, we're forgiving others, we're serving, we're expending ourselves in helping one another. And then he says we can ask whatever we want in his name because we're doing what he wants and he hears us. And our spirit confirms because we know it because the spirit he gave us is alive and well as we love one another. I just want to know, I know many of you will have felt the pain that a church can cause. Perhaps even here you've felt sometimes unloved and left out and unhurt. And, hurt. and loving and feeling pain go hand in hand. And I just want to 
let you know that we're not the perfect church, are we? I mean, we're still trying so much to love one another and still trying to get better at loving one another. But I just want to say as your pastor, my prayer is that if you feel hurt, if you feel left out, I care and I want to help you through that. I know our pastoral team want to care and help you through that. And you know what? I was here just a couple of weeks ago with a couple that said when we were in hospital, people came, people even took us to the hospital, people came and had meals at our house, they shared with us and they said, we just love this church. And what I want to hear is more of that. But you know what I'd love to hear us saying? I actually went and took that meal. I went and helped that person and I loved doing it because I know I'm doing what God called me to do. Would you love one another, church? Would you do all that you can to love him? I'm not in your own strength. It comes only from loving, doing the first commandment, which we haven't talked a lot about today, from loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and strength. Get the power from there to keep loving. And when you face criticism and, and things like that, keep loving anyway. Keep serving. And this church will be one that people walk by and go, wow, there's love there. They really follow Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, God, we just need your help. We need your help to be people that keep loving you every day, that keep uh, looking to you, Lord Jesus, in everything that we do, to, to provide help and to care and to listen and to be there when people are hurting. Oh, God, we pray that you would help each one of us to, to just know that this is what you're calling each one of us to do. God, I pray that this morning you would release just an army of people that are lovers of you and lovers of one another. And God, we pray that you would continue to touch each one of us as we love one another today. And God, thank you for demonstrating to us so clearly your love for us in sending your son. As we go today, we can freely give because you have freely given to us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us the command to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.